most people do not have skills mm -hmm. that actually matter, mm -hmm. right? That actually, like you can be really good at video games, but like how does that transition into, I'm not saying you can't be successful like at playing video games because you certainly can, but like when you're trying to build something in your life, how do you leverage the skills that you have that you're really good at? Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Lassa Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world, and the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity, and it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. All right, be it, babe. I am so excited because we have one of my dearest friends. Like I probably, like I feel like he's a brother from another Mister and mother. Um, but he's totally family to Brad and I. It's Michael and Broken, and we've had him on the podcast before. In fact, one of your favorite podcasts to listen. We got so many reviews, and I got so many DMs about that episode. And so I brought him back. And it's just really fun because he's a dear friend and we get to go really deep on some conversations and, and share some of our own things. So I hope that you enjoy hearing this conversation about integrity and goals and taking time for yourself and like your worth. We talk about a lot of things. And so I really hope you enjoy it. I also want to say that there are stories in our lives that can be triggering to um, some people. And so if that does happen, just forward, <laughs> you know, um, and please, um, you won't offend us. Make sure you take care of yourself and honor that about you. But I do think it's important that you do hear about how Michael grew up or how I've grown up because it's so easy to look where we are right now and think that we have it all together and it must be nice for us. And the truth is, is that like we've made decisions along the way that put us in situations that we were in and got us out of situations we we're in and also put us where we are today. And I really think it's important that you know that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's probably AstroTurf anyways at this point. And also people's lives are from choices they made and you might not know the whole story, but you are allowed to have what you want. You are allowed to have the life that you want. You are worthy of those things. And I do hope that this conversation really does help you see that and helps you understand how people like us have made decisions and gotten where we are. And we hope that for you. So here is Michael Unbroken. All right, Michael. Welcome back. Yo. I'm so excited you're here in the too. flesh. Real life. I know. Um, I love uh, I love actually doing these in person. I know you do most of your interviews in person, but mm -hmm. I actually think it's quite fun. And it's also not so nice to have a friend who lives in Vegas come over to do this interview. Um, you, When we last had you on, you were living in Denver. So what's new? Yeah. Well, I mean, living here, uh, kind of, I guess, quasi, right? Being on the road all the time makes it feel very difficult, but... I've just come to accept like that's my reality. Like I like being on the road. I mean, you get it, right? Because you're on the road all the time. All Something the fun about it. Yeah, I think you, I don't know. I think you choose your choices. Like that's yeah. kind of my thing. So like, I don't, when people are like, oh my God, you're so busy. I'm like, I chose all these things. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't really feel comfortable. Like I'm not gonna complain about it because if I complain, it means I want to change something. Yeah. And if I don't change it, then I'm not gonna complain you know, about funny. it. I watched, uh, have you ever seen Up in the Air? It's that George oh Clooney movie God. where he yes. like flies around and fires people. Yes. There's this scene where he's like in the lounge 
taking out all the cards out of his wallet. He's got, I got this card and this card and this rewards card and that card. And I was just like, that's my life. And there's a scene where like this new girl has come into the company and they're going to try to make everything virtual. But this dude's like a road warrior. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to do that. And that's how I feel because uh, I love, I love the adventure, you know, and it's like, that's part of the choice that we make in everything. It's not that it's not difficult. I mean, there's sacrifices, right? Because it's like, if you want to go be this person, it hurts friendships. It hurts relationships. It hurts having a normal life. But also the ones that you have are better Yeah. in this weird way because you're actually like here. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, I think it's like, it really changed. You have to be more communicative with the people in your life. Like this is mm-hmm. the life I live and this is how I can hang out with you. And this is how I can spend time with you. And when I'm with you, this is how I will show up. I promise. But it, I, it forces communication. And then some people don't like it. Like I have people in my family, like you travel so much, you never see us. And it's like, well, it's not that I never see you. It's just, I don't see you as much as you par- probably would like. And that would make you feel comfortable, but we don't always get what we want. And as long as I'm like operating in integrity and I'm communicative with you, I think we can make it work. But I also find that I have tried doing nothing. We did it in the pandemic. Like I did, I stood around here for two years and didn't really Mm -hmm. go a lot of places. And there was something nice about being home and having a routine, but I love being on the road. So I have tried to figure out like a balance. Like I don't think I go on the road as much as you. I'm like one trip a month is plenty. Two trips a month. I'm like, it better, wherever I'm going, number two better be amazing. Yeah. Well, but also like, if you think about it, it's a choice. We've decided to do this. Mm-hmm. I decided that I'm going to be the one who gets on the plane and go to seven cities in a month and speak at all these events and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, if you think about it, when we make intention, like we had lunch together two weeks ago or whatever, <laughs> we we don't flake on each other. You're like, here it is. Like, we're going to do this. And I think a lot of people don't take advantage of the time that they actually have with people and they reschedule and they cancel and they're like, I'll do it this time and then we'll see you next time. And, you know, and people always will go, oh, it's not a big deal that you canceled on me. And I'm like, actually, it's a freaking huge deal. Like you, you have to understand like time, time is the one variable we don't get more of. And so I'm like, if I make plans with my friends, you know this, I have guys night, Brad comes to it. It's like, I have all these different things in my life where it's like, I try to build this framework of time, knowing that it's really the only thing that because I can't get back, it has to take precedent over everything. So I'm with you, I'm present. I'm with my friends, I'm present. Like I'm not in whatever other element of life I could be in in that moment. I love that you brought it up, not flaking on each other because I um, I actually was looking back at our, our text messages and it was all I saw were like dates. <laughs> I was like, we were like sending each other dates back and forth to have an intentional um, opportunity to actually hang out and I was looking back at our text message and we we're very intentional on dates we set. And mm-hmm. we've talked about a couple of our friends who will sort of flake out on things. And it's like, I just, I don't make plans with you. Yeah, It's really, and that's kind of, I think it's hard for a lot of people who are people pleasers or like they want to be liked. And it's like, of course I don't want people to hate me, but I also have to understand that if I set aside the precious time that I have in town to be with you mm-hmm. or to be wherever I am, if I'm coming into your town, I'm going to be there. If I set that aside, it means I'm not doing something with anyone else, including yeah. I'm not doing anything for myself. I'm just doing something to hang out with you. So if you're going to flake, it happens. It's, I'm not asking for perfect perfection, but be honest 
and really make sure you let me know as soon as possible. You know, I mean, it's not like we're, we're perfect, but I do think the intention is there. And when you do have to reschedule something, you know, being intentional about how you reschedule that, not go, hey, let's reschedule for another day. It's like, okay, well, that's never going to happen. Yeah. Like how integrous are you? right? Where's your level of integrity? That's what I think about with it. Because especially, and look, I get like not, most people don't live lifestyles like us, right? And that's fine. And you don't have to, like, if you do the nine to five thing, cool. But like, still, it's like, why are you flaking on your friends when everything changed for me in like, I guess it was probably eight years ago now, nine years ago. Um, I get a text from one of my buddies and he's like, Hey, wasn't this your friend? And he sends me a link to an online news article. My childhood best friend, Seth, this guy that I did everything with from the time that we were like 11 years old. Have I told you this story? So Seth and I grew up very similar circumstances. His dad was this crazy alcoholic. His mom was working like three jobs. We both go to the same elementary school. We go to the same high school for a period of time. We both played football together, wrestled, everything. Like we were best friends. Actually, the first tattoo I ever got was with him. We went and, you know, this is 2004. We're dead broke. We have no money. He found a way to make money. And one day he calls me. He's like, hey, uh, you know, we can go make $150 if we sell our plasma. (laughs) (laughs) yes that's true you can't and so we went well and this is you know 20 something years ago where not only do we go sell the plasma once we do it like three times in one day (laughs) which is you sell that much no of course not (laughs) but like but like everything was paper then it wasn't all digitized like it is so we, we go make all this money and we go get these tattoos so i have a matching tattoo with him and he's working a job at this uh, Johnny Rockets, downtown Circle Center Mall, Indianapolis, flipping burgers, doing fries, whatever. I had just gotten a job at a Wendy's and I was a, a general manager in training. So I'm making 36 grand a year at 18 years old. That's which is, millions of dollars. It's like in a 18 million. Years. <laughs> Not only that, but if you look at 2004, that's probably 100 grand a year. Yeah. Like it's real money. Yeah. I'm on my own. I have my own car, my own place, everything. And he's fucking flipping these burgers. And I'm like, dude, fuck that. Come work over here. I'll get you a job. Mm-hmm. Now I got him the interview. He ends up giving himself the job. Well, three weeks into it, he just stops coming. No. And I would think about that. I'm 18. I put my name on the line. I'm like, we're about to get a $500 bonus or whatever. Right. And, and I come to find out he's back at Johnny Rockets fucking flipping burgers, making $4 an hour or whatever. I was irate. Like, you have no idea how mad I was. Yeah. Now I look at it differently. I'm like, well, we're all on our own path. Like, it's not up to me what he does. I stopped talking to him, replying to him, text messages, AIMs, you know, aging myself, (laughs) MySpaces, nothing. And he would call me all the time for years and nothing. I was so mad at this guy. And he was my best friend. He's like my brother. And I get this text from another mutual friend. I'm like 29, 30 years old. And it's a link to a news article in the Indie Star, Indianapolis man shot dead in his living room. Oh my God. And somebody had walked into Seth's house as a bad drug deal gone bad and just blew his fucking brains out. Oh my God. Closed casket, whole nine. And it took, I still don't know that I'm entirely like through that. Yeah. But- that moment shifted everything for me because I was like, I never get to apologize. 
I never get to fix this. I never get to cross this bridge. I never, this friendship that meant more to me than anything. He was my brother. He was the person that was with me when I got kicked out of the house, when I got expelled from high school, the first time I ever had sex, like it was at his house. Like it was like this whole thing. And because I felt my, the ego has such a need to be right to be wrong and to be offended yeah. and I was all of them and it it took away that relationship and then my best friend Kevin got murdered another one of my friends get and I was just like man fuck like your people have to be the most important thing mm-hmm. because I never get to have that conversation with him and so when like I think about the times we schedule or my guys night, which Brad comes to, or when I'm on the road and I make the time or in the same for you guys, like you guys were on the road and made the time to come hang it with me in Denver. I'm like, I'm going to show up yeah, because I don't know if I get tomorrow with you. Yeah. All of that is really sad. And, and there's those moments that like really teach us something, you know? Um, and you know, who knows if you had answered an aim, what what would have been the change there? But yeah. I think we kind of understand ourselves a little bit more in those things. And it's like, like you get to go back and go, how would I have wanted to handle that? And it doesn't mean it would have changed any other outcome, but maybe you would have been able to feel like, at least I said my thing. Cause I think anyone listening would be like, of course I would not talk. Like you put your name on the line, even at 18, even at 40, like that stuff yeah, matters, it does you matter, know? For sure. So, but I do agree. It's like, it's like, how can, how, what is integrity to us? Like what feels integral and, um, how do we want to operate there? And it doesn't always mean that it will be the right thing. Like looking back, you might be like, felt like it was an integrity then, but that didn't go the way I expected it to go. But I think we have to have values. I think it goes back to, that's one of the values that we have in our lives for Brad and I. And then also in our business, it's like, if we say we're going to do something and we can't do it, we have to communicate why we can't do it. Otherwise we're out of integrity and, that makes people not trust you or not want to be around you or want not want to participate with you. And I, and we all, and what is life if you don't have these relationships, whether they're in your town where you are or out in the world where you get to be like, I live for the calls. I have my girlfriends who don't even live in this town with me, but they get what I do. They understand what I'm going through. And some days I just need to go like yesterday. I had a girlfriend at a coffee day with a girlfriend and it'd been a few months since we talked and she was like, how are you doing? I said, well, to be honest, in this moment, not great. And if we hadn't set this up three months ago, I would still be in bed right now because I'm not having a good day. But we mm. had this call. So I'm here and I'm just letting you know I'm not my best. And she's like, well, I'm not my best. Let's talk about what's going yeah. on. And then what do we each need? And that was such a great moment to have. And because of integrity and because I want to live my life, I showed up for that call. Yeah. There's like three ways that I, three rules to life. And and this is for me. And I try to like instill this in my clients. I look for this in my friendships and the people I date and potential relationships, business partnerships, everything. And it's like, number one, are you honest? Mm. Number two, do you show up even when you don't want to? Cause you're like, fuck man, I'm no, I'm just having a day. I want to stay in bed. I'm going to Netflix and chill, whatever. Right. And then three is like execute. Like, mm-hmm. do you actually follow through? Right. Because showing up is like being in the room, but executing is like I'm doing the thing Mm -hmm. because you see this. You coach people right in business and in personal. And there's people who like you lay out the game plan and they're in it and they're hyped up and they're like, I'm going to do everything. And then they go home and nothing is different. Yeah. You know, and so I'm like, are you doing all three of those? Yeah. And and the reason why it's so important to me is like I used to not do any of that. Like, I mean, you know, my story and people may have listened to me on here before. And people who are listening to this on the other podcast, like yeah. they know my story. Like I was a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, and it's like, do you want to be that? 
Yeah, I think what I love is, one, I love that you share your story so much because it allows people to see you can change. Like maybe you felt like you were a piece of shit back then and like you but look what you've done with your life and how you, and how you're acting and that execution is so hard i actually have two calls tomorrow uh with people who are not executing what they signed up for mm. and they're not getting they're seeing everyone in their group surpass them and so now they're like double downing on themselves and how not where they want to be and like there's a lot of judgment there's a lot of things that they're saying and it's like I hear you like they are going further and I understand that life is sucking right now, but you also still have to show up for yourself in some capacity. Mm -hmm. How do you like, what are the ways that you help people kind of actually execute, not just be in the room? Yeah, I think, it, well, you know, I, I, I try to lead first, right? So it's funny. I was just coaching a client driving over here. Uh, and it's like, even if I have to get in the car and drive half an hour to the other side of town, cause I have a commitment, which I, and it's my bad. Cause like, I, here's what's interesting in this phase I'm in right now. Like I'm not a slave to time in the way I normally am, which I think is actually a good thing to be a student of your calendar. I'm just kind of like nonchalant about everything. And I was getting ready to head over here. I was like, Oh fuck, I got a coaching call right now, which isn't in the norm. Right. But, but it's about like recognizing that you, you have to do the thing right and sometimes it's like you gotta make a small pivot but what i'm always trying to get to like at the end of the day like if my head is on the pillow did i do everything i said i was gonna do mm. and i don't allow myself to go to bed if i didn't mm. and that's like a consequence and I, I think that we need to be able to give ourselves consequences for our lack of action Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily mean like consequence, like I'm, it's pain. Like you don't have to like self-flagellate, right? But it's like, I'm not going to bed till I'm done. Yeah. I also think that it helps you understand like how much you can actually promise that you'll do that day because you, you're not going oh, sure. to want to get <laughs> missed on sleep days in early. a row. <laughs> I learned that earlier. I was like, fuck man, that's too much. Yeah. Right. But it's all this is about know thyself. It's like, okay, so you're going to have these coaching call clients tomorrow. Like what about them? Cause in my mind, you say that to me and I go, well, they're trapped. They're stuck in their own mindset, which could be easily solved by taking an action. Yeah. And so what are, what are you presenting to them? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm thinking about today and what I'm going to figure out in the meeting because the actions that I gave them last time I thought were... So here's what I know. As a habits coach, like trained with BJ Fogg, like on calls, he is the behavior scientist from Stanford. He's the one every habits book has copied. Yeah, and so, you're about those habits too, because you'll text me at like six thirty in the morning. You're like, I'm on the mat. <laughs> I know. I'm like, get on your pet. Are you on your pet mat? <laughs> um, uh, so I. Um, so here's what I know: the people that typically are attracted to the type of work that I do, they're typically perfectionist overachievers, okay. and so they have a really hard time doing little. But what the science shows is that you do not create habits unless you actually achieve, you actually have to complete You have the to win. <laughs> you have to have wins. Yeah. You have to celebrate. You have to be kind to yourself. And so if you are in a judgment shame zone, I promise you, you will never, ever, ever create a habit around that thing because your brain's going to be like, um, I don't want, I, that thing brings me uh, shame. It makes me feel stressed. It doesn't make me feel good about myself. So I had thought that the five minutes <laughs> of taking time for themselves was actionable. And now I think I need to get even more specific. I need them to get more specific with me with what those five minutes are going to be or what that yeah. one minute is going to be because maybe five minutes to do anything for themselves is almost still too it's much. Vague. And that's okay. Like, this is what's so important. I, I'm not going to get mad at myself for, I'm not going to go, oh, that was dumb. Leslie you didn't help him enough. It's like, 
Every single person is different. For some people, they need the freedom of those five minutes being anything. And for some people, it needs to be very specific. These yes. five minutes are for me to go for a walk. And it's important that people know themselves and you're not going to know yourself until you make until you do it a way you didn't it didn't work. Like yeah. that's just you won't know. Maybe like, you know this about your business. Like, have you ever like done something in your business and it like freaking like soars and you're like, wow, that was amazing. But then you go to redo it again and it doesn't have the same thing. Cause like you almost learn better when the idea fails. Cause you're like, okay, we could have done that better. We could have this better. Like when it wins the first time, you're not really sure what was the thing that was the yeah. best. I think that's all of life though. Right. I mean, if I go track back everything I've ever done, it's always been that. It's like sometimes things work really well and sometimes they don't. And I think the hard part about it is like recognizing like it actually doesn't matter at the end of the day. What matters is like, are you still going forward? Mm. And I think that's where people get trapped. And so I, I have the benefit on my side of being a nihilist. Like, I don't care about anything, which is really weird, right? There's a juxtaposition. So funny, because I think you would care so much. <laughs> well, there's a juxtaposition I live my life in, right? So think about this. Name your great-great-grandpa. Oh. Exactly, <laughs> right? And so people always are talking about legacy. They're like, I'm going to build a legacy. I'm build the outside of a few outliers. We have some Tony Robbins and Napoleon Hills and Abraham Hicks, and those people will live a bit longer than the average. Yeah. But most per people can't name their great-great-grandpa, let alone their grandfather, right? Yeah. But yet we live in this society that pushes legacy, go do the thing. And I'm like, it actually doesn't matter. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, nothing that we do matters. And here's what I hold simultaneously. One, that concept paired with everything I fucking do in this moment is the most important thing that I do. Right. Right. And so if you can like wrap your head around that, it's a weird sense of freedom. So like, even though like I build businesses and I coach people, I speak on these stages, the podcast, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it, as I look down the tunnel, I got the end of the day, it doesn't actually matter. And we hold ourselves to this account where it's like, fuck man, like it's gotta be perfect. It's like, no, it doesn't. My book, here, let me say this Go real ahead. quick, because you'll, you'll see why, why, why I said this. My first book has like a ton of reviews on Amazon, on um, Barnes and Noble, on Apple. All of them are five stars, the first book, except for one, one. And it's a two-star review. And the person goes, I couldn't get through the book. The grammar is terrible. Oh, I have that review too. I yeah. have, yeah, all fives. And then I have that person. Here's why I don't care yeah. about the five stars or the two stars. Because I did that for me. Mm. I was like, I'm going to write a fucking book. And then I'm going to write another one. And then I'm going to do another one. And then make the podcast. And then I'm going to speak on stages. I'm going to write coaching programs. I'm going to do all the. And it's just like, I'm just going to do it. But people who are in that perfectionist mindset, they're trapped in the idea of the other person's opinion is so important that if they get the two-star review, it will cripple them. And I'm just, I don't care. And so maybe that makes me very nonchalant, but you see how I operate in the world. Yeah, because I, because when I said it's, I think you care a lot, I actually, the care is not that you care about what I think. I feel that you care about the people that you put yourselves in a room with. Like whenever I'm in a room with you or Brad's in a room with you, we can tell that you care about the people in that room in that moment. For sure. So you like, so I think it's really fascinating and it goes kind of back to what we've been talking about this whole time is that, that integrity, but also that intentionality of like, you're, you're, you're like in this moment, this is all that I'm really here that matters. And that once I leave this moment, 
whatever it's over, ha- it's over. and yeah. what anyone says about that moment whether they were there or not it doesn't actually yeah. pertain to me because that moment's over and i can't change it this is why i can't get canceled right right and i've been attempted to be canceled four times <laughs> i'm like i don't give a fuck I have a question for you though, because yeah. I think this is important. What did you get a two-star review? How do you feel about that? At the time, I wasn't really ready for it. And Meaning, so, well, like I, it, I read it, and it was kind of like exactly the my worst fear. You know, it was a grammar one, and I had an editor go through Why it. Why was it your worst fear? Because my grammar isn't awesome, and so like I was, I didn't want anyone to see the grammar problems and not get the what the book was about like i wanted the book to actually help them and i didn't want the grammar to take away from helping them so i did hire an editor they didn't catch everything no one does they're not perfect so when i got that of course like it felt like the wind got knocked out of me now this is 10 years ago very different person and i let the wind get luckily i lived in la at the time and i did drive around at the time so i was in traffic and i let myself like get the wind knocked out of me and then i got angry at the person (laughs) <laughs> and then I got like whoever this person was because I was like, You're fuck grieving. you, <laughs> fuck you. Like I was, I was going through the whole thing. It was a grief. But I was like, wait a minute. This is not an English book. This yeah. is a book to make sure that Pilates instructors stop getting swindled out of their dollars because people are selling them shit programs. Yeah. Period. And do the did do any of the commas or periods in there fuck up that message? No, they don't. Yeah. So I wrote back. It's a good thing I'm not an English teacher. I hope that you don't get swindled out of the wrong programs, you know. Uh, and uh, and 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 good luck on your journey. And I was like, and I it did take me the whole day to get there. Now I expect much quicker. Now I like I laugh so hard because people on YouTube love to write a ton of shit yeah. about me. But um, my people come for them, which is also a lot of fun. But I think like. It also, you have to get to a point where you can go, I didn't do this. Like I had to get to the point where I was like, wait a minute, I didn't do this for that person. I I hadn't done it for me yet, but I absolutely did it to help people. And I and it was a particular group of people and that person wasn't it. And so I had to like learn mm-hmm. whose opinions of me matter. Oh, not that person. It wasn't who I was doing it for. Yeah. And it's it, that goes back to the ego's need to be right. Mm-hmm. It's like, why even give the energy to respond? Mm-hmm. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. And I, it's like, and part of it, you want the rebuttal because you'd be like, go fuck your mother. Right. Yeah. Like, that's how I think about it. <laughs> and and I and and I, I, I work really, really hard because like I have very strong opinions. Like, you know me personally. Yeah. Like, I, there are times where I say shit where most people are like, I cannot believe you just said that. And I'm like, why? Like, if we have freedom of speech and part of being a human being is the ability to express who we are and look i'm not saying there's not consequences because there certainly are but i'm like i'm gonna do it anyway yeah and i and i think that in that there's there's again i'm gonna tie into that word freedom when i rebuttal to people i really take a step back and i'm like what does this serve right because i think that we want to argue and fight and we have this need to be right all the time and i do too and it's something that i have to really think about it because there's like seven times a day where i'm like i need to be right and a hard part about it is i'm right a lot and so it just fuels my ego more and then when i'm wrong which i really appreciate when somebody will sit across from me and be like you're looking at it wrong i learn Mm. and there's power in that and i think that you have to be willing to be a learner yeah I think that's hard for cause people. It's like our entire way that we're educated on this plant, on this country that we're, we're both in is like to get the A. 
Yeah, which and is pointless. It's so pointless because all it teaches is like, you'll just copy the smart kid in class because <laughs> yeah. like, why get in trouble? Um, and so you have to be right when it's like, it's so much more important to value the journey that you got there and like how you got that answer and like where that came from. And like, I think that's really hard because people, it's not that they want to be, uh, they have to be right in front of you or in front of somebody else. It's that they're afraid if they're wrong, then people are going to judge them for being wrong. And it's like, no, it's okay to learn. It's okay to go, oh, I never thought about that way. That's not the life experience I had. So of course I didn't think about it that way. Thank you yeah. for letting me know about a different life experience. Yeah. And that's because we think that people are thinking about us. Oh, what? Right? They're not? <laughs> they're not. Like nobody, like nobody gives a shit about you. I mean, that's a very crass way of saying it. But like, realistically, I, like nobody's thinking about me right now. That is, well, and that is um, something that takes a long time for people to even, and I even, even recently, um, there was something that was going on around the holidays where I had, like, it felt like everyone was thinking about me just because a lot of people were reaching out. But, thank you. I am. <laughs> uh, but because there were people, a lot of people reaching out, which made me think, oh my God, a lot of people are thinking about this. But when it came down to it and I looked at the statistics of what was going on, and I actually looked at things. I was like, Oh, not many people are thinking about yeah. this. And so I'm stressing about what people are thinking about me when really they're not. And it's such a freeing moment to go, they're not. And that's okay. It is okay. Why did that shift for you? Because like you're a public figure like me, you've had your face up on big old ass billboards and you're, you know, this person that people look towards for stuff, whatever that stuff is that you have at the moment. Like I know this about myself. I'm going to create context yeah. for the question. I know this about myself. I was invisible as a kid, mm -hmm. right? Growing up, being homeless, being the worst kid in school, being the kid who smelled like garbage, who wore clothes from the Goodwill in the church, who was on the, the food stamp cards and every, I was invisible. And I played sports and I was particularly fond of wrestling because it was me versus one person. And I have a bunch of championships wrestling because I loved being on the podium and being first place. Mm -hmm. And it was like my, I am fueled by this need to be seen. Mm -hmm. I know this about, I will admit this publicly. Why do I like speaking in front of 10,000 people? Because motherfuckers are paying attention to me, Yeah. right? And so with what you just said, how do you, how do you handle like, okay, I'm this public persona, but at the same time, I recognize people don't think about me. Well, first of all, I remember, like, I love the hero's journey and I love reminding myself I'm the guide, not the hero. So mm. I think that that's important. Mm. Um, what a context that for people. Yeah. So, um, so in what we do as coaches, as people who have ideas of solutions for problems that people want to have solved, it is so important for people that for people who work with me to understand that they're solving the problem, I'm just presenting an option for them. And like, if you like, here's the option I can take you across this bridge, but you're still, you're still the one that shines. You're still the one that is the rock star. You're still the one that did it. I cannot do it for you. And so for me, like, that's kind of how I keep it in check. It's like, whoa, hold on. Cause if it really bothers me, then I'm trying to be the hero of their story. Mm -hmm. And that's not why I got into this. And that's that one, that's not sustainable. That's not, that's exhausting. And that's like, tr you have to be too many things to too many people. But as a guide, it's like, well, you can choose me as your guide, or you could choose you as your guide, or there's like 17 other thousand people <laughs> in the city that you could mm -hmm. choose as your guide. And that's the choice that they have to make. So that's kind of how I do it. And it's, and that's not easy when I can see that I am the guide for this person. Like there's that ego, I'm like, ah, but I know I can help them. Then my job is to make sure that my messaging and what I put out in the world makes them feel comfortable for me to be their guide. But I still can't be like me, 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 me. You have to do that mm -hmm. yourself.
And then I think the other, uh, you were talking about being seen. I think that's so interesting to go back and wonder why you do things because I do all the stuff so that people belong because I never felt like I belonged. Mm. I felt like the weirdest. I felt like the weird kid in town. You are the weird kid. I am still the weird but kid. But I am too. And that's why we get <laughs> all along. The weirdos get, yeah. And right? so like, I, it's not, and again, like, cause I'm sure people that I grew up with, listen, it's not that I don't think I had friends. It's that I actually just never felt like I was, I always felt like the outsider in the group, partly because I did not have money. And I did not have the new clothes. I, 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 my grandmother was a secretary at an elementary school. And so at the end of every school term, we would go through the, the, the clothes that were left behind yeah. because the kids that left them behind, you know, they had good clothes. I had so, I had the best jean jackets of the nineties. Like you would have thought I was rich because I had all these jean jackets. Yeah, but you're but just a year behind. <laughs> a year behind and there's someone else's that left them behind. Yeah. But like, I just, so I felt Do you ever like, have a moment where a kid came up to you and like, that's my jacket? Thank goodness. No. That I, happened to me once. Really? It was one of the most embarrassing experiences of my entire childhood. Ugh. It was a Tommy Hilfiger jacket. It was one of those pullovers. It was red, white, and blue. I'll never I, forget it. And I was like, oh my God. Because it was, it was in the lost and found, and I didn't have a coat because we we're fucking poor. And like the one of the teachers gave it to me from lost and found. A week later, this kid's like, "That's my jacket." Ah, oh, that hurts my soul because I do understand that. Like, so I do everything to involve community. Mm. There has to be a community aspect, and it's because like I just know how important it is to feel like you belong in a group yeah. and you're safe in a group, and that people miss you and expect you to be in that group. And so that's kind of how I can, that's what everything is driven. If you look at anything we do, there's a community to it. Yeah. There just is. We do the FYFs here because I want to, sh it's the only way I can show the listener communities stuff. What like, does FYF mean? Oh, fuck yeah, Fridays. Okay. Do you do this? No. You should. What does it mean? I mean, you celebrate things all the time, so maybe you don't need it, but fuck yeah, Friday is like, if uh, I would love people to celebrate their wins every single day, but most people won't. So on Fridays, mm -hmm. you celebrate a win, and I. it's even better if it's a small win or a win that like the project is imperfect or it's not completed yet, but I share listeners wins and then I share a win of mine mm. and, and it's like eight minutes long, nine minutes long. It's super short. And the whole idea is to get people to think about like, Oh, I never thought about that being a win. That is a win. Yeah. Like just people need to celebrate that they've Fuck done yeah. shit. They've done stuff and they don't give themselves credit for it. Yeah, they don't. I, I didn't either for a long time. It was, I was speaking at the, it sat with me the most. So if you know, Grant Cardone, yeah. um, I, he invested in my company. I had spoken at one of his uh, boot camps. It was 10,000 people watching. And it was a pitch competition where I was like a Shark Tank kind of thing, where I was pitching Think Unbroken and what I do. And like I fucking crushed. I destroyed everybody. It was incredible. Like, and like I, I'll say this too, because I, I can sometimes probably come off as like maybe egotistical, but I just believe in myself more than most people believe in themselves. Like mm -hmm. I'm not Kanye level self-belief, but I'm sometimes I'm pretty close. We'll keep you posted right? if, you, if you cross yeah, over. That's what you need. <laughs> that's what you need friends for, right? If, you, if Brad and I ever if, go, hey, Kanye, you'll if, go, oh, If morning. you ever hear me go, I am a God, like be concerned. <laughs> but like you need that. Like I always teach my clients, you need to believe in yourself because if you don't, who will? And so yes. I'm like, like getting ready to go on stage and do this pitch. And we're in the green room with all these other people who are about to pitch this business. And one of the women goes, well, good luck everybody, but I already won. And I remember, I didn't say this verbally, but in my head, I was like, you're fucking insane. You have no idea how much you just fueled me to crush you even more. Cause I'm super competitive, right? 
So we get on stage. I, Grant goes, who wants to go first? I raise my hand so fast. It's like coming out of my fucking socket. Because I know one rule in business and in life, always go first. If it's scary, you're about to do the zip line, go first. If it's you got to get on the plane, go first. Like always go first. Always, always, always. Because automatically you will present yourself as a leader and the alpha in the situation, which I think is important because we don't have enough leaders in this world right yeah. now. And so I go first. I crush literally like the next four people are like, blah, 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 blah. it's like incredible to watch. And um, not for them, but for me. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so. At the end, Grant goes, okay, yeah, this is no brainer. We know who won. And it was me. And I knew I won because I had visioned it literally yeah. thousands of times leading up to that moment. I'd done this speech a zillion times. And he said something to me and it sits with me going to fuck yeah Friday. He said to me, dude, hold on, take your flowers. And that means like in that moment or whenever it is celebrate the things that you have done we move too fast mm -hmm. constantly where it's like on to the next on the next mm -hmm. on the next and i think it's entrepreneurs especially we're guilty of this where i'm like i did something incredible and i'm like automatically into the next thing yes and it's like hold on pause maybe it's not i just spoke in front of ten thousand people because for most people that's not what it's going to be but maybe it's i brush my teeth today that's where my journey started like for real i was like get out of fucking bed dude go brush your teeth that and some days that's all i did yeah and i think that that's what people have to recognize because that gives you a win and if you have one win you start stacking them and it becomes exponential and compounding and then next thing you know a year later your life is different yeah yeah how do you so how do you celebrate your wins how do you take your flowers oh i <laughs> i'm a verbal processor so you will hear me around this house going Fuck yeah, I'm amazing. Just killed that. Like, <laughs> fucking egomaniac. <laughs> but like, I do. I'm like, so there's this hilarious story. I was in this program with Jay Grimes, and he is one of the last living people to have studied with Joseph Pilates. And you had to, like, basically assess to stay in the program. And I was really struggling with this last last portion of it. I could never get all the exercises done in the time that I knew I had to get them done. I was really struggling and, um, and I was a little nervous cause I was like, oh my God, like if I can't get this done in this time, I'm going to miss out and I'm not going to graduate with my friends. I'm not going to finish my friends. Like then there's the ego of like, I have to do it all over again. I have to wait till next year. And I was like, hold on. Okay. We're just going to visualize it. So I went there that day and I like got there an hour early and I just visualized myself doing every single exercise at every single station doing it. And like, I'm like having a good time. So when I did the actual assessment, there was an exercise that I really struggled with and I did it. And I, as I was finishing, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm amazing. And I went on to the next thing and he just was like, what? Cause no one talks. And I'm like, nailed that, did that. And I <laughs> <laughs> so like whether oh, I did or not, this person who was judging me, they're going, okay, yeah. I guess she nailed it. But like, so that's when I first started noticing that that was one of my best pep talks for me was just mm. like saying it out loud. That might not work for other people. You might want to dance or maybe how to high five your kids or something like that. But that worked really well for me. And I still do this to this day. And when you were talking about that, it made me think of, have you think, have you read the book, The Big Leap? No, I have not. Gay Hendricks, people who listen to the pod, I talk about this book all the fucking time. It's an annual read for me. If you listen to books on I'm tape, buying it right now. Um, it listen to it at 1.4 speed. It's like your grandfather you never had read you a lovely story because I, I, maybe your grandfather was lovely. My grandfathers were like realists, <laughs> pretty negative people. So like, wasn't my grandpa, but a grandpa I wanted. So he has 
Just there are different it. things we do to upper limit ourselves. Yes. And specifically when we are winning, specifically when we like have a win, it pulls us out of our comfort zone because in our comfort zone, like we're probably not winning all the time. So when we do something that pulls us out of our comfort zone, there are things that we do to upper limit ourselves and then pull ourselves back in. Mm -hmm. And what there's a few, he's like seven of them. One of them is self-deprecation. Another one is worrying. Another one is picking fights. Some people get mm. sick. I had a client who every time she met a guy that she liked and had a date with him, one date with him, she would lose her fucking voice gone for six months. So the relationship effectively died because there's no second date because she lost yeah. her voice for six months. And I was like, I'm just going to say this. I think you're, I think you're doing this to yourself. I think this is like, I'm not saying it's in your head, but like there's something it you've been on three dates in 18 months and you've lost your voice three times. Like this is mm -hmm. really um, a thing. So I am someone who, and you've got to know this about yourself so you can catch it. So I'm the person when I complete something and I have a win, I will look for all the things that aren't completed yet. And I will go focus on like all the things that aren't going well. Mm. So like I had this big win and I'm like, well, this didn't go well and this didn't go well and this thing over here is not done. We're not doing that the right way. Instead of actually just taking a moment to Grant Cardone's thing, picking the flowers. And so now it's so important and Brad is very much on board with this. When we have a win, we just celebrate the win. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow two hours from now, whenever we can actually look at the other things that have to happen. But right now it's just celebrating the win and really like sitting in that. And maybe we light a candle. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Sometimes I do. We do. Sometimes <laughs> I like the money candle. Like it happens. But like, it's so, so important because otherwise you're just building the muscle to that pulls you back into your comfort zone. Yeah. What is the money candle? Oh, um, <laughs> welcome to my house. Is it made out of money? Uh, no, it has, <laughs> it has crystals inside and you do a whole little <laughs> meditation inviting money in and then you light the money candle and then ideally you leave it burning until it burns itself out. And then there's crystals inside that are, um, that are like, you know, incensed with your vision or your dream. I'm currently, um, this week while I'm working, burning the obstacle remover candle because <laughs> <laughs> so I, we are so different so I, I, this is why you like me though uh but like i um i'm a visual person verbal yeah. processor so having that burning like as soon as like i'm like oh obstacle we're like we're doing it we're gonna like it it just helps me like yeah. remind myself my things but they, i get them they don't pay for this show house of intuition they they sell these candles and i fucking love them i i, <laughs> I laugh because you know me i'm not very woo woo right no. i would say but brad is a one woo guy and he burns the money yeah, candle. yeah. I, could, I, could, <laughs> I could see that mine mine is sage like because mm -hmm. i have seen like we might i don't necessarily want to go down this path but like i have seen shit and yeah. i'm like i need to sage immediately do you sage with like burning the sage or do you have sage spray or do you both uh, the burning it oh you, i'm gonna show you when you leave the house today i'm gonna show you my sage spray you need yeah. to take it on your trips it'll fit in your travel pack because you're seeing ten thousand people you gotta sage yourself you gotta yeah you know there, there's something interesting about like as i go deeper into my own personal journey whether it's with psychedelics or whether it's just through meditation or just feeling energy i've come to realize i'm actually an empath which is really strange because I always have been able to pick up on tones, mm -hmm. emotions, feelings, and it's a fucking buzzword. Everybody's an empath now. It's like, shut up. No, you're not. <laughs> and, and it's like, I feel that. And it's like, I realize, especially through podcasting and bringing all these different people into my home, into my studio, into my life and talking about really heavy shit, like there's something. And, and look, it might just be psychosomatic where I'm like, if I just sage this house, like I feel better.
Sage the yeah. studio, sage my backpack, like whatever. Um, that's probably my woo-woo thing. I actually, I think that that's, you know, I think some people um, might like see a white light that cleanses them. I think it's important to have some rituals that help you kind of shed things that are no, are not needed in the moment you're in because shit happens. Like your mom's going to text you at the worst fucking time. And you're going to be like, Oh, I don't have time to deal with that right now. And it's like, so it's like, you kind of have to figure out what works for you <laughs> yeah. to get back into the headspace you need to be in for the, the thing that you're wanting to do. Yeah. And not be dogmatic too. Like I, I think one of the things that I've grown tremendously over the years is to not be dogmatic. Right. Because that I have found that that is the ultimate fixed mindset. Yeah. You know, and it's like if you're dogmatic about anything and there's no room for opportunity, touch as a favor and grace. And then suddenly you're like, it's kind of like these people that we coach, right? Because on this one hand, you have to be exposed to this new idea and we lay it out in front of you. And it's like if you are unwilling, I, I remember I've only ever, I've never shared this before, so I'll be cautious in the way that I do. I've only ever let go of one client ever in almost a decade of doing this. And this person was so incredibly dogmatic in their belief that this wouldn't work, that I had to fire them. Yeah. And look, I hire my clients in the same way they hire me, because it's my time, it's my energy, it's my resources, it's my team, it's everything, mm -hmm. right? And so this person, I would sit in front of them and we would have these conversations and I'm exploring opportunity. And the thing I'm always trying to lay within people's framework is like be solution oriented. Because if you can just do that, there's so much potential in front of you. Instead of looking for roadblock, look for possibility. Yeah. And like this, this person, they just refused and I had to fire them. And I remember thinking in that moment, you talk about like evaluating yourself as the person who does this. I'm like, am I a bad coach? Because I couldn't win that person. And I was recently with my mentor and we have an interview show every Wednesday where we interview just four to three to four people forever. Like we're at 600 episodes almost. And I came in later, so I haven't been there for all 600. But the one of the guys who were coaching, his name is Bill. His last name fucking escapes me right now, so I apologize. But he said something fascinating to me. He goes, players win games coaches win players mm. and and i was like but you can't win them all right and that applies to every like that's a great parable for life because it's like you can't win all the time right you're going to suck as a coach you're going to suck as a partner you're going to suck as a podcaster you know as a mom and a dad as a employee or a business owner you're going to have days where you just don't win but it's like can you just keep going that's awesome i really love thinking like that because it goes kind of goes back to like nothing is ever as bad or as good as we're gonna expect. Like, yeah, for sure. like the worst case scenario rarely happens. And the best case scenario really happens. Like Brad, love you. And he lo I love his sheets. Like I love like his sheets, like all his calculators, like we can do this. And I'm like, okay, so it's probably not gonna hit that money. It's probably gonna hit around like 75% of the, that. So do I wanna do it for 75% of that? Is that enough? Is that you're like, you know, you kind of have to like understand that, but you're not gonna win them all. and what I really find as a strength that I have is that when shit hits the fan, I'm like, okay, what else is possible? Like I mm. do really well when like, when, when something comes up, of course I'm not perfect. You guys, I do feel my feelings. There are like a bunch of fuck. Yeah. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. How the, who did what? And then it's like, okay, so, well, we're not going to quit now. 
Like we can't stop. So what can we do? And I love that question. Like what is possible? I wonder, there's a reason why it's tattooed on my left thumb because I'm left-handed. So when I see it, I go, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, like you open up a loop and your Mm -hmm. brain can't stop thinking until you close it. And to go back to that client you fired, when you're like, no, that's not going to work, period, it, correct. <laughs> because you've put a, you, you haven't even, your brain is not going to search for evidence for it to be yeah. true. So going back to the the big leap, there's something I think about a lot, and that's like the next level. Mm-hmm. There's a, a guy named Bishop T.D. Jakes. Mm-hmm. Do you know this guy? Was he on Oprah? He may have been. I, I'm not very. Is he a pastor? Yes. So he's a pastor. Black guy. Heavy set black dude. From Love the South. him. Love him. Super deep yes. voice. Very booming. Like, he, is oh, a, gr- he is a voice for pastorship. Like, like <laughs> one, of, one of the probably most prolific speakers of our age. Um, I don't necessarily align in a lot of ways with him. Um, but you don't have to, and right. you don't have to, this is one of the things I think all the time, like you don't have to always like people to learn from them. Right. And he's had something so fascinating that I think applies to everything in life. And I think about this almost every day, literally almost every day. He goes new levels, new devils. Yeah. And, and that's what I think about in this journey. Cause it's like, as we continue to progress and grow, like the next thing is coming. Yeah. And yeah. I think about that all the time. It's like, fuck, man. Like this idea that it's going to get easy if slash when mm-hmm. no. doesn't exist. No, I interviewed Ripley Raider and she had that idea. She's a, and you probably don't get these ads, Michael, but I do. She's got these amazing pants that look good on everybody, right? And um, so I interviewed her and she had said to her first PR team, she said, oh my God, it's going to be so much easier when X. And they looked at her and said, no, you'll just work more. Mm-hmm you'll get there and then you'll just keep working. Like it's not easier when, and I think if you, the sooner you can learn that, the less disappointed you'll be in life and the more opportunities you'll actually look for. Uh, TD, uh, TD, he was on Oprah years ago, you guys, I don't know how long ago, but I was, I was listening to like, you know, Oprah Super Soul podcast, which is like clips of her show. Mm. And this woman was like telling a story and then it got, her life got worse and her life got worse and they cut her off and they said, stop with the story because it's just a story. And they're like, if you actually want to move forward with your life, you have to let that go. You have to start, you have to stop holding yourself to the story and your life being what it is because of this instead going, what is possible right now? And he told this whole story about some dog, the way the mom was hit by a car. And so she only, like, she only worked with three legs. And so he dragged one of her, her back legs. And so then all the puppies dragged their legs. And the reality is it's like, they didn't have to, they had functioning mm-hmm. legs, but they were following along with their mom. And it made me go, oh my gosh, like if I, like, I don't have kids, but if I don't work on myself and I don't actually figure out how to make things happen, then everyone who does get impacted by me will do things the same way just based on observing me. So I, I want to like better myself the best I can. So I'm not leading people to drag a leg when they don't need to. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Uh, you know, it's funny as I just came back from Indianapolis, I grew up there. Um, my little brother just graduated the police Academy and I was having a conversation with my other brother as he was like getting ready to go on stage and do all this shit. Or it might have been after. It's one of the other. I don't remember. Kind of like that window is all mushed into one time. And uh, he goes, this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for you. Talking about me. Because if you go look at my life, 25 years old, I'm morbidly obese, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, 
I'm massively in debt. I got my car got repoed. My fucking girlfriend found out I was cheating on her with like 18 people. It was, I'm not exaggerating, exaggerating that at all. Um, one of my brothers literally goes, never talk to me again. You're not my brother. Like I, my life was complete shambles 13 years ago. And last week, this brother looks at me and goes, this wouldn't be possible without you. And, and it all comes down to this, what you just said. It's like, people are watching. They're paying attention. They are looking at you. They're following you. They're tracking you. They're measuring you. And it's like, I decided to take my brothers to a Tony Robbins event. Cause even though I'm the trauma guy and I'm the coach and you know, I all the books and the podcast and billboards and times square, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. They're my brothers. They could not care less. Yeah. Right. They care, but like less. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and so I take, and so I take them to Tony and like their lives are different. But that started with me where 13 years ago in my lowest moment, I was enough. I had enough of my own bullshit. Mm. And it's like you keep dragging that leg and you wonder why your community sucks, why your family is failing, why your money sucks, why your relationship is garbage, why it's always someone else's problem. It's like, look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. You were homeless. It was your fault. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm literally talking yeah, to you, Leslie. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like you look at that and people go, no, it's not your fault. I'm so, life is so hard. It's like for everyone. Yeah. So why do you think you're special? Yeah. One thing I'm really grateful for is my, my, my parents, my dad did a really good job of making sure I knew that there will always be someone richer, smarter, prettier, more experienced than me. Like, no matter how high you get today, there's going to be someone who beats you. So you have to always celebrate the work that you did and you're only as good as the the effort you're going to put forward because yeah. there's always going to be someone better. And also get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so there was like this, like you can be anything you want. Just not so, in his house. <laughs> this is like, like, in like, in the kindest way, but like he really was like, do not get stuck here. But do not get hung up that you're the best thing that ever happened to this planet. <laughs> mm. Yeah, the princess mentality is super dangerous. Mm -hmm. I heard one of my friends call their kid a princess the other day. And I was like, dude, you're setting them up for failure. Yeah, I think that like I uh, one of my one of my dearest friends, his parents actually never celebrated their grades. They only celebrated the effort because they're like, so what if you got an A? We expect you to get an A. You have tutors from the yeah. best school like you. We have I you have all that. the money in the world, so you should get nothing more than the best grade. But did you do you like the effort you put yeah. into it? Was the effort you put in worthy of that grade? Have you OK, so I, I love that. Have you ever accomplished a goal that the accomplishment itself felt better than the effort you put in to get to the goal. I don't think so because like, obviously I'm looking back now at things. And so now that I understand the difference between the efforting and the actual accomplishment, like, of course I like a lot of people who are listening to my podcast know I'm, uh, I'm a second generation applies instructor. So the accomplishment of becoming that is super cool, but I don't talk about that certificate. I talk about the journey that got me there. And like, mm. that made me the strongest. It challenged me and my mindset and the way I thought about how bodies moved and how people act and how I teach people in a way that I can never, ever 
go back to the person I was before. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, but I do think that people get obsessed with the accomplishment. They, they can't, it's like, a, they're like chasing a, a like a, like a, like a dog it's chasing like a, a car. idol. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And they're missing out on like all the things that they gained along the way. I, I still like, here's what's interesting. I'm there in some places, but not in others. Yeah. And there, there is still this place in me where I'm like, like my goals are the screensaver of my phone and they're fucking crazy. Like be a 10 time New York bestselling author. Like that's insane. Yeah. And I'm like, but here's what's interesting is like, if I don't hit that goal, fine. Yeah. But I really want it. Yeah. So we were talking before you hit record because there's uh, about James Patrick, the photographer. Yeah. He was on a show and he talks about like goals and he was like, I never have a goal that I'm going to be on the cover of a magazine. Like I'm never going to have a goal that I'm going to get the cover of a magazine because he said, it's actually not my choice. It is mm, so true. many people's choice that I'm not even in the room. I don't even know all of them. Like it's just not it. He's like, instead, my, my goals are the efforts that could produce that goal. So, uh, so, and it doesn't mean you can't want to be a New York times bestseller 10 times over, Yes, but that his actual goals for his day, for his week, for his life are the things that in that put him in the position to get those things. Yeah. So if he wants me on a cover of a magazine, he actually has to submit and pitch himself to yeah. magazines. And so um, I work really hard with the people that we coach in our business stuff when they put like, oh, I'm gonna get seven new clients this month. And I'm like, hold on, I want that for you. Do you know your conversion What's rate and how many people it takes you to get a client? Because that we have to figure out like how many first time sessions do you have to do? If your conversion rate is 50%, then you need at least 14 first time mm -hmm. sessions. Well then, then we have, how do we get for, what yeah, you need what's to do? What's your CTR? Yes. Right? Exactly. What's your AOV? Yeah. What's your, like, and then you really start getting into mm -hmm. it, right? And like, obviously that's for business stuff. And but also, but like, path. it allows you to figure out like, well, what is the actual goal this month? Well, then? because it's measurable, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, actually, this is a really good thought because it's like, if I want to write 10 New York Times bestselling books, every sentence counts. Mm -hmm. There's a book on my shelf right now that I finished called Unbroken Man. And it's great but it's not phenomenal. Mm. And so I haven't published it and I'm rewriting it mm. entirely. This will be, I rewrote Think Unbroken nine times. Mm. Uh, this will, I'm stepping into rewrite number three on Unbroken Man. Mm. And it will probably be like 15. Yeah. What I love about that, I'm sure like part of you, part of it is annoying because like, oh, why can't I get it done at number three? But the reality is, is that the journey that gets you to the best one that you want to put out there, uh, you learn more about yourself and it makes the book better so that the people who are reading it get the most but out it, of it. Here's what it's not annoying though. And here's why it's not annoying because I decided it's mm -hmm. done. I yeah. could put it out. But would it be good enough to garner me the cover of the New York Times? Right, because your goal isn't to write 10 books. Your book goal is to write 10 like best worthy best-selling books. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so like you talked about with your clients, like are, are your goals too vague? Mm -hmm. Like are you not dialed in? Like I know exactly what I want. Yeah. And, and the journey is in pursuing it. And you hear people say this all the time. So it almost is like, are we banging our head against the table here? But it really is about like make a very nuanced, specific goal and move towards it. But here's what I do. I hate smart goals. You know smart goals? I know. I hate those. It makes me when, feel like corporate world. When, when, people, when people lay in front of me 
create the smart, actionable, timely goal. Shut up. Nothing has ever been timely. No. Like nothing you've ever done. It's always taken too long, longer than you thought or happened quicker than you thought. And then what by proxy happens is you get stuck and you're like, man, this isn't done yet. It's been four years. Like I thought I'd write Think Unbroken in like three months. It took almost three years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I um I had this woman who was like, you have to do like God sized goals. Like your goals need to be like you'd like so You had Kanye on your show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, we had him back a long time ago. Uh no, like and I part of me was kinda like, okay, that's a little unrealistic, but part of me, like way she explained it was like the goals need to be so big that it can't be done by just you kicking your own ass. Yeah. It ha- sure. it's going to require preparation meets opportunity equals what luck. people call luck, right? Yeah. And so she talked about that. And what is fun about that, you guys, is when you think about a goal that's not smart, that's like actually really big and bodacious and like bold and all these things, uh, it allows you to dream and it gets you out of that could never happen. Oh, that's not going to happen that amount of time. Because when we make smart goals, we go, okay, well, that can't happen in nine months. So I guess that has the goal has to be in a year. And then like, you know, so we like talk ourselves out of things and we start changing what the actual goal is. But her goal, her idea was like, just make it super big. And then she's like, then she's like, you go all the way back to where you are today and you just take one step to show the universe, to show yourself that you mean business with this. Yeah. Because hers was, you guys, her name isn't coming to me, so we'll put it in the show notes. But um, hers was, you know, she wanted to have a mansion that music videos were were used like used her mansion for you guys she couldn't bounce a checkbook she was so in debt mm-hmm. like and so she's like okay i'm going to go learn how to balance a checkbook yeah seriously <laughs> millionaires know how to balance their checkbook and that's what she did and you know what happened is when i interviewed her she, music music videos were using her mansion <laughs> to yeah. do videos and so i really like that i think it's a fun way to make goals happen but i also i'm a big fan like i love i was the person who did a, i think we talked about this before where I, I would do the maze and I would start at the finish line and I would go backwards. Mm. That's how I did all mazes as a kid, like all those games, you know, like you can. That's so interesting because me too. Right? It's, yeah. Hello. It's the best. It's the best way to do it. Well, because it makes sense. Yeah. You got to start. So I never did a corn maze like as a human, like a, 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 I did it one time as a friend. And I like, fuck this. And I cut through the corn maze with my face covered. So I didn't get, <laughs> get cut up. But I was like, this is like, ang- this is causing me so anxiety. much anxiety. hundred percent. But yeah. like. And that's what everyone does. Everyone's like, okay, I see the goal. And they're just going to like, like find a staircase to heaven. But like, I'm like, no, here's the goal. How do you make this happen? And you guys, it's how we are in this house today. Like people are like, you can't move on June 1st. That's nine days. You're not going to own a house in nine days. Everything takes 30 days to buy a house. I'm like, well, you don't fucking know how I work. And I got it. (laughs) Dude, dude. Yeah. I remember you texting me and being like, I got the house. I was like, good. Yeah. Like it's like commit first and figure out the rest later. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like that is what people are so afraid of. That stuckness, mm-hmm. the fear of just doing it. It's like you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here without massive commitment to our lives, to our mission, to our journeys, to our community, to our craft. Yeah. Right. You like me are very studious in this podcast game where it's like we pretty much consume podcasts. Like most people watch TV and listen to movie or listen to music. Everyone's like, have you seen this show? I'm like, no, but have you seen, heard these 17 yeah. podcasts? Did you listen <laughs> to this eight hour Andrew Humerman podcast with Lex Friedman? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so it's like, it's like, that's, that's kind of, and, and being studious, like I study people, like this is the thing. Skills have utility. 
Most people do not have skills mm -hmm. that actually matter, mm -hmm. right? That actually, like you can be really good at video games, but like, how does that transition into, I'm not saying you can't be successful like at playing video games, because you certainly can. But like when you're trying to build something in your life, how do you leverage the skills that you have that you're really good at? Because to me, like you're this person who bought the mansion, who had to become a good at balancing a checkbook, like I don't math. So I just hire someone to do it for me. Yeah. But I didn't have the skills to afford to hire someone to do it for me until I built the skills. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things people miss is they're like, we're so indoctrinated by media and society that it's 30 days, Leslie. Nobody does it in a week. It's 30 days, Leslie. Nobody does it in a week. And you you could keep hearing that shit. And next thing you know, you're like, yeah, they're right. It's 30 days. Yeah. And it's like, you have to be steadfast in your conviction of being committed to the goal. Yeah. Because there are going to be naysayers. There are going to be people who say you can't. There's going to be people who they will always look for the objection. And it's like, you have to not be around those. I'm not around those people. Yeah. No one in my life is negative. Yeah. Because when I tell my dreams, like sitting here telling you 10 times New York Times bestselling author, I want to buy a, a $5 million lake house. I want to do this and do that. If, if you sat across from me and go, I don't know, man, you're thinking too big, you would be out of my life immediately. And I'm not fucking around yeah. because you don't need that energy. No. Because when you look at those people, I can show you the relationships, the friendships, and the bank accounts of negative people. Yeah. Without even having to meet them. Yeah. So on Sunday, my photographer was here. I was doing a photo shoot with her. She and I have been working together since 2019. Um, we have started our baby businesses together. Like we mm -hmm. have been on this journey together. And so I interviewed her again, and she was sharing like some of the scary bold things that she's putting herself in a room for that like she would never have put on her vision board. One of those is like photographing, like potentially sting and Coldplay and all these people, like there's these big opportunities coming up. And yesterday she voice messaged us because she's on her photo shoot tour where she's doing some stuff and she had a celebration and she needed to celebrate with someone. And so she told us, she's like, oh my God, I landed this contract. And we, Brad and I immediately called her, immediately called her to mm. celebrate on FaceTime, let her cry, all the things. And what I never said to her ever in life, ever since I've known her is, oh my gosh, Monica, no way could you ever as a, could you ever photograph Coldplay? You're never going to do like, no way. That is not, you do not need those people in your life. And if they're your family, it sucks to like put them over to a side, but you have to protect these goals you have and make sure that the people around you who hear them are actually supporters of them because it is way too hard out there already. You do yes. not need extra help to make it harder. Yeah. And, and more so, I want people who even will sit with me and be like, that's not even big enough. Mm. Are you even trying? Mm. I was. I, you have said that to me before, and I'm like, I have said that you. to you. You're right. <laughs> I, well, I, I've said it to you because, like, it, it's like, it's for a, it's forest for the trees. You mm -hmm. can't necessarily see it because you're in it. Mm -hmm. And B, we do think too small. Yeah. Right. As a whole, and so it's like you you could shoot for that goal and get the 75 percent and be satisfied, but it's like, what if the goal was 10 times bigger? I would rather have 75 percent of 10x. Right. And so when you when I look at it, it's like. I, I was at, when I was in Indy, this, I'm only sharing Indy again because it was just so fresh. My brothers and I, we went and walked around this street fair, just spending time together before I had to hop on the plane on Saturday. And we walk up to this guy's uh, booth. So it's like crafts fair, arts fair, local this, local that. And this guy had this super cool um, like indie clothing brand, like very much 
up my road of the kind of clothing that I wear, predominantly black, right? Yes. But he had this, <laughs> right? You know this. So it's your this, power color. So he has this, <laughs> right. So he has this super cool black sweater. And I ask him how much it is. This thing is hand stitched. It's cut and sew. It is screen printed on the back. And I know this world because I used to have a clothing company mm -hmm. called Click Gear back in the day. It's, you know, it's been closed for a long time. But I, I was in this world and I put the sweater on. I'm going, oh my God, this is the best sweater I've ever put on. And I, in my head, I'm like, I'm buying this. It's going to be 120 bucks all day. Yeah. All day. How much do you think this sweater was? Probably the best sweater I've ever put on. Well, part of me wonders if he's undercharging. So I'm going to say he was probably charging like 60 bucks. 50 bucks. Shut the fuck up. 50 bucks. And I look at him and I go, you need to raise your prices. And me saying that made this, I could see visibly how uncomfortable he was. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him. I go, dude, this is one of the highest quality pieces of clothing I've ever touched. I was prepared to pay you $120 just now. And your cut, and that's the limiting mindset. Yeah. Because people will go, no one will ever pay me that. And I go, motherfuckers got money. Because let me tell you this, like I'm going to speak at Stormy Wellington. I'm interviewing Stormy Wellington, mm -hmm. who is an MLM expert who went from a stripper at 13, a stripper at 13, to being worth, I think she's worth 50 mil right now, right? from a stripper at yeah. 13 fucking years old and i'm going to interview her at her own event and i look at people like that and i go that woman knows her worth if she can do it why can't you yeah. and it's fear oh it is it's also the people around them who are like no one's gonna pay that no i can't like it's it's Fuck right those people yeah so i love that we're <laughs> talking about this because we uh because a lot of people listen to this are pilates instructors and like the thing that pissed me off from the day I got into the industry was people saying, oh, there's no money in Pilates. And so I started teaching Pilates in 2008. It's the recession. It was the world. Everyone knows what 2008 means, yeah. right? And um, all these teachers had started discounting their rates um, because of the recession. And I'm like, okay, I guess that makes like that makes a little bit of sense. But when I was trying to figure out my rates, everyone's like, well, you charge less than her because she's been teaching longer than you. I'm like, well, she's discounted her rates. I can't like I can't live off of that. Like I, I, this is I tell this I live in L.A. There is a like an income level you have to meet to sure. survive Los Angeles For with sure. roommates. Right. And so I was like, fuck, no, I'm going to charge what she's charging. That's her discounted rate. So I'm going to charge that. Yeah. And here is the thing everyone needs to hear. You have to understand that there are people who are looking at you to base their prices and they're going, oh, they have more experience than me, so I should be less than them. You need to create room for those people above all else. Like if you can't raise your rates for you, then you need to raise your rates for the people who are up and coming to give them an opportunity in whatever industry it is to make a living doing it. Like just be kind and thoughtful about those people. But the other thing is, is that there are people out there who want a problem solved. You want really awesome black sweaters because you want to wear black and that's what you'd like. That's your power colors, what you want. You want to pay for good quality stuff. You don't want to pay for something $50. Like if you had just read the, if you had only seen online and you saw the price, you'd been like, oh, the quality is probably bad. Yeah. Like, but you touched it. So you knew the quality was good. Not everyone's going to be able to experience whatever your thing is to actually understand the quality. So you have to understand when you price yourself, if you discount yourself, the thing that I was taught uh, really, really long time ago was you will be discounted. Yeah. People will just stop thinking and about that, you. And that, and look, and that comes down to your standards, mm -hmm. which is what's really difficult in this country because we don't have any. 
Mm-mm. You look at everything in America right now, there is no standard. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm not shaming anyone for anything that they do ever, but it's like, look at the way people are operating in this country right now. It's like, blame you, not my problem. Government owes me this, so on and so forth. And like, that's the standard we're creating mm-hmm. in families, in communities, in businesses. And it's like, if you, people always talk about, how underpaid women are in this country and how underpaid minorities are in this country. Yo, I know so many women minorities who like make you and I combined look like we're homeless. Yeah. Because they're out there getting it. And I'm not saying it's not hard, right? And I am a fucking minority in case you're not watching. And it's like, I look at my community, the greatest thing growing up that I would bear witness to of what people defined as success was the first and the 15th. Mm-hmm. Did I get my government check? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I wa- Leslie, I watched that every day as mm-hmm. a child mm-hmm. to be celebrated, mm-hmm. to be basked in. People would be like, oh, my job cut me by four hours. I get more money from the government. I'm like, mm-hmm. you forever will be in that until you raise your standard, mm-hmm. your standard of living, your standard of relationships, your standard of money. If you're underpaid in your job, it's your fault. And people don't want to hear that. And this is where I get the most pushback because they go, you're lucky. You figured it out. It's like, no, I've been on welfare. I've been on food stamps. I've got caught wearing the Tommy Hilfiger jacket. I've been 50 grand in debt. I didn't have two nickels to run together or as my grandmother used to say, a pot to piss in. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And I look at my life now and you and I have been in dinners where multiple thousands of dollars where we wear what we want to wear we travel how we want to chair we got the amax platinums it's like yeah but i didn't used to right and neither did you but when you raise your standards even though there's a consequence to it you will lose friends you will lose community you'll be shunned by family members people will talk shit about you you will likely have to climb up the hill to get to who you want to be but your life will be so much better I love that you're saying that. And I'm so, I ho- I'm so hopeful that people rewind that and re-listen because it is really, really true. Like we're flying to Scotland and we have Amex Platinum so we can go into the lounges. And when there's a Centurion lounge, you can bring your guest because uh, we spend enough. And then when it's not a Centurion lounge, it's like a pass priority pass lounge, which we get from having that credit card. We have to pay for the guest. And my dad's like, don't pay for me. It's 50 bucks. I said, wait, we're going we're gonna to go lounge it and you're going to sit out here. And like what, spend $49 on food in the airport? Get the fuck in line. <laughs> Get in line with us. We're paying your 50. You're going to spend 50 bucks in the airport. Anyway, easy. So, so for garbage. let's go enjoy the Delta Lounge. Get a free beer. Have some fucking shrimp. Like eat a meal that you want to eat. Yeah. And he grew up where that was insane. 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 And uh, and I and I understand that. And I don't want to change anybody. I want to force anyone to change. But I said, Dad, it is okay to take the higher path. It's okay to take the the thing that seems un like for seems ridiculous. It seems ridiculous spend 50 bucks to go in this lounge. It to me is ridiculous spend forty dollars on fucking crap Johnny Rockets food yeah. in the airport. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so but it's it is it's raising your standards. It's also like it's not like I could have had this uh eight years ago. Eight years ago, well ten years ago I was homeless 
eight years ago, I was not able to be in the lounge life yet, but I dreamt of it. I had it on my vision board. I had it on my thing. And I looked for opportunities for when those things could come along. Yeah. And that is the difference. It's okay for your, for your dreams and your reality to be far apart, but it's about seeing those opportunities and not letting people and their stories tell you what you can and can't do with your life. And that's what most people are. They're letting the stories that were ingrained in them tell yeah. them what they can do. Yeah. That's not real. Yeah. And look, and also eight years ago, you didn't have the skills. You sucked. Yeah. Call it what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, seriously, call it what it is. I sucked too. I didn't have the skills eight years ago, yeah. five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, last month. And it's like, if you can leverage that and recognize skills have utility, that's where growth. You didn't know how to make a funnel. Right. You didn't know how to create a lead magnet. You didn't know what conversion meant. You didn't know how to look at ROI. But then you like take the business aspect out of it. You take it out of life. You didn't know how to brush your teeth. Right. You didn't know what it meant to clean yourself up every day and go and be kempt. Right. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't understand what it was like to raise the value of the person that you're willing to date, be in a relationship, and marry. Yeah. Like, and it's something that you build and you grow as you go through this. If you're fucking paying attention. Yeah, that's a great place to think about that. You have to. It's really hard, guys. It is not when you look at people doing things that you wish you were doing, it's not easy. They don't have it easier. Like maybe, maybe some people had a different starting point. Okay, so that makes it different. But you have to stop folk comparing your starting point with someone else's and understand that there is you're on your own journey. There's no fucking race. And the more you develop the skill sets and the more you actually welcome the challenges and because you're gonna learn something, they're not fucking fun. So I'm like, yes, a challenge, bring it on. <laughs> the last three years have bought on tra- challenges I would never wish for on my enemies. But I am so glad I sit here and gone through them because now we're in another challenge. I'm like, this is nothing. Like, we're going to totally get past yeah. this because we have all this evidence that we have. Yeah. And it's like, so going back to that point, new levels, new devils, but the devils become easier to fight because you have skills that pr- support and prove that you can. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what all this journey is. And mm-hmm. the fear that people have about leaving the relationship or quitting the job or like going and traveling the world, it's like the second you do it, the fear is gone. Yeah. And that's the only way that you grow. Yeah. And and I, I encourage people to do that more because you're going to die and it's like, I don't know about you, but like my biggest fear is regret. Yeah. I do not want to wake up and be like, fuck, this is my last day and I didn't do any of the things. Yeah. But I come from a society in which that is totally acceptable. Yeah. I and it listened years ago I listened to a podcast where a woman who like did a bunch of books. She spent a lot of time with people on their deathbed and she wrote a book about it. And mm-hmm. she's probably very famous and some people's probably shouting to me what her name is. And I'm sorry, can't hear you right now. And I don't remember the podcast yeah. it was. But I remember hearing that she said, interviewing tons of people on their deathbed, the biggest thing was regret. Yeah, It was absolutely like the things that they did not do when they had the opportunity. And when I trying to figure out like making choices, I ask myself, am I going to regret this tomorrow that I didn't do it? Or am I going to re-? like, I was in Brazil and I didn't really have a lot of extra money. And I was like, fuck, I'm almost out of money. And like, I leave in three days and I was going to skip the, um, hang gliding experience because it was expensive. And then I asked myself, am I going to regret going home and telling everybody about this trip? And they go, did you go hang gliding? And I'm yeah. going to say, no, like, can I, is that okay with me? Am I doing it for them? Or am I doing it for me? And I remember going, I really want to have this experience. Yeah. And so I fucking took out the money. You should. And I did the hang gliding thing. And 
here we are 11 years later, I still can picture <laughs> that moment. So I think that that's a really great thing. I want, I know um, that we are, uh, we could keep talking forever because we enjoy each other's company, but I do uh, want to ask you what you're, what you're most excited about yeah. coming up for you right now. First, that book is called um, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying Thank you. by Bronnie Ware. Thank you very much. Uh, it's actually in my Audible, so I should probably listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just do a book club. Yeah. We'll all listen to that one. You listen to The Big Leap. When we yeah, get back into town funny. at the end of the year, we can talk about it. <laughs> I, right now, it's like I'm getting ready to again that thing like i'm i'm all about the commitment like just see what happens mm -hmm. i'm getting ready to head to south america for two months yeah i don't know what's going to happen oh i know i'm going to do ayahuasca i know that's going to happen i'll be doing an eight-day retreat and that to me is like really about stepping deeper into this journey there's there's still like even though like i've been on this path for 13 years um there's still some blackness in my soul there's some mm. dark shit i gotta work through um and so we'll see what happens with that and then it's like i'm gonna go to buenos aires because i always wanted to i'm gonna go to lima and machu picchu and i'm gonna just like i'm doing so it came to me in a meditation recently I always ask myself, I, I, I like ideate in meditation. I'm not trying to find Zen. It doesn't work for me. I'm trying to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And it came to me in this meditation. I was like, what's the hardest thing that I could do right now? And the answer was rest. Mm. And so I've been like really injecting myself into that. And so this will be the last phase of the rest to mm -hmm. go down to South America for a couple months and in, in this year. Um, so I'm extremely excited about that because it's necessary. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you to do that. I can't. I can't wait to hear how it goes. Yeah. So. What about you? Um, I actually, along those lines, I'm about to be gone for three weeks, three weeks out of my routine, three weeks. And only one of those weeks is where I actually have a timeline. I'm leading a retreat in Cambodia. But whenever I'm there, because I'm 14 hours ahead of like anybody who needs anything from me, there is, and you're so close to the equator, you guys, it's, there's something interesting about being in that life and in the humidity and, <laughs> and pretty much everything is organic and plant-based. So like, it's just coming from the farm that's right there. Um, that really helps me pause and I get my best, I get my mm. best ideas and I have intentionally not planned as much of next year as possible. Love that. Um, we have like literally planned like one big project and one and the retreat for next year and everything else. There's a ton of stuff that we're going to do. We know we have to find dates for it, but I, I do not want to find those dates until I come back because I would like to see what comes up for me. Mm. I want to see what comes up in being still and getting massages every day and sleeping in, like literally not waking up to an alarm and just allowing my body to rest like you're doing, but also see what comes up because I know that there is something bigger and bolder and I just need to actually get out of the whirlwind to That's actually right. hear it. And it is so important to give those those opportunity. And um and then I um and then I can't I fucking can't wait to come back because I love my house and I love my dogs and I I love the life that I've created for myself. But I really am excited to just take a pause from yeah. it and just see what comes up because I have because of the stress of Y'all, buying your fucking first house is the hardest thing you'll ever fucking do. And I do not wish it. I, I want everyone to have a house, but I do not wish the journey on anyone because it is painful to prove that you are worthy of the thing that you know you are worthy for because you're currently paying for it. And so to prove to all these fucking idiots that I could, that my husband and I could afford this house, that took us 18 fucking months, yeah, 18 months of stress. And so I never, I just really felt like I couldn't dream again. Then after that all went down to the May, you're like, it's like, if you're like, let's say it happened a long time, it happened in May. 
Y'all, recovery is a bitch. Like it took a lot out of me. And I really have been just like taking things as slow as possible just to like really not burn myself out because I love what I do. But I have I've let myself go, okay, in Cambodia, we are dreaming again. We are we are going to allow ourselves to let visions and ideas and goals and wants in because I cannot wait to see what we do for the next 10 years. I mean, yeah. like this was a big goal for Brad and I, and it took fucking longer than we wanted, yeah. which is why smart goals don't work. Yeah, that's exactly right. And <laughs> And, and there's peace in the pause. Yes, there's peace. And um, my friend Jackie always says there's power in the pause. Yeah. Like you actually, it's so hard for people to slow the fuck down. But even hummingbirds sleep, you guys. So yeah. like. <laughs> I'm one of those people. And so that's why I'm doing this. Yeah. Oh, you're going to come back with peace and power. Yeah. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for the past three years, We've been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed with water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel totally energized and it makes me feel like I'm doing something healthy for myself. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. Yeah, and you're probably wondering, like, how can you actually do it? No exceptions. I know you guys travel all the time. You've got a lot going on. You're running three businesses. Here's the deal. It's because it's that simple. So when we're at home, after I walk by own, and sometimes August, because sometimes he comes, I open up the fridge. I pull out the dog's wet food and the AG1. I pour my AG1. And if Brad's up, I'll pour his too. And then I give the dogs their food. And we have this morning breakfast with all of our nourishing vitamins and minerals that we need to kickstart our day together as a family. But when we're traveling... What I love so much is these travel packs and they make it so easy to make sure that especially on the road when it's the hardest to get nutrition needs met, like it is impossible. I'm constantly like, is there a salad? Is there a bowl? Like, can I add more veggies to this Thai food? But I know because I'm AJ1 in the morning, I am set to go. And it really does make us feel like we're doing things that are healthy for ourselves even when we hit the road. So you cannot make a mistake with AG1. It makes it really easy no matter how busy your life is or maybe your life is simple and you're gonna add something extra simple to it. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why we've partnered with them for so long. So if you wanna take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash be it. That's drinkag1.com slash B-E-I-T. Check it out. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Before we wrap this up, you know, for my show, we do beat action items. So I do need to know some bold, executable, intrinsic target advice you want to give people. Yeah. I think it really all comes down to commitment. Mm-hmm. to your goals, your dreams, who it is that you want to be, who it is that you want to become. And as you go down this path, it's recognizing that you can't be dogmatic even in those commitments mm-hmm. and you have to just walk the path and whatever's supposed to be there will be there. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a big one. That's pretty bold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you, Michael. You're welcome. Thanks for, thanks for hanging out with me today. Of course. It's super fun. Yeah.
um, people can find you, follow you, work with you. Yeah. Michael Unbroken. And then uh, all social medias. And then, of course, the Think Unbroken podcast. Yeah. And where can they find you? Um, Instagram, Leslie.Logan. That's where I hang out. Um, and this is the Be It Till You See It podcast. So you can find us here. Like we said, FYFs every Friday if you need an inspiration to celebrate a fucking win. And um, Brad joins us. And we'll be talking about you, Michael, on sure. Thursday. <laughs> I, I love talking to you. You get to hear what we have to say about you. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, this is so fun. We'll do it again. Enjoy For your sure. power and your pause. And um, until next time, everyone, be it till you see it. That's all I got for this episode of the Be It Till You See It podcast. One thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It Pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. Be It Till You See It is a production of the Bloom Podcast Network. It's written, filmed, and recorded by your host, Leslie Logan, and me, Brad Kroll. It is produced and edited by the Epic Team at Desenio. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music, and our branding by designer and artist Gianfranco Chofi. Special thanks to Melissa Solomon for creating our visuals and Semena Velazquez for our transcriptions. Also to Angelina Herico for adding all the content to our website. And finally to Meredith Kroll for keeping us all on point and on time. Hey loves, it's me, Leslie, and I am excited to talk about socks because we need to talk about socks all the time because I love being barefoot. I am not a fan of shoes. You'll rarely see me in shoes. Even when I have people at my house and they're in shoes, I am barefoot or I'm in my toe socks and Tavi Active socks. And the reason is that I've got tile floors and um, they're not so nice to my feet. So I do love a cute sock. And I also only use their socks when I am doing Pilates. I love that they have an amazing sticky gripness to them. It also, when I'm teaching in other people's studios, having those socks on keeps me from slipping around in a studio and really allows me to root where I'm planted. Plus they're freaking cute. Have you seen toe socks and Tavi socks? I mean, my goodness, they are the cutest styles all the time. The Barbie socks, I can't get enough of. I think I need to buy three pairs. So here's the deal. I want you to get yourself a pair of toe socks or Tavi Active socks, and you can go to beapod.com slash toe socks. That's going to take you over to toe socks. Feel free to explore a Tavi and you can use my discount code Leslie, that's L-E-S-L-E-Y to make sure you save some money on your socks because the reality is, is you should just get the most amazing, cutest socks and also save some money because you listen to this podcast. So make sure you check those out the next time you are looking for some socks to wear in Pilates, yoga, bar, or around your house like I do. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.